friends, this is Stephen Brogan Cortez. Welcome to the Why the F Not podcast. This is episode 57. Today, my guest is a friend from college, but there's a twist on it. His name is Wu S. Kim, a friend I met back in Cal State Northridge, a writer, a film lover, a geek like myself. Uh, just someone I've always, uh, I've always just continued my relationship with him, just talking about anything nerdum, just dissecting films, just having, going with off each other's opinions, sometimes differing, sometimes the same, but always just been a great friend. Uh, so sit back, relax, and welcome to the Why the F Not podcast. All right, I'll start recording now then, you know, some folks, you know, they have like a, they're like, hey, I can't talk about this. All right. I don't know what things you had that you couldn't share, my friend. But uh, I'll tell you, if you ask the question, I'll just see no comment. Oh, shit. Like, yeah. Ooh, or uh, I'm, but very few things I'm not willing to share. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, woo. Damn. Uh, welcome. Welcome to the podcast, man. Uh, welcome to the Why, Why the F Not podcast, man. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, it's been a long time. I mean, we talk via Snapchat and stuff, like little voice memos or messages, but I'm really happy to talk to you, my friend. How you been, dude? How you doing? Ladies and gentlemen, he's trapped me in his attic. There's no way for me to get out. I can't even get the window loose. I'm stuck. No, you shut I'm your mouth. You shut your mouth. Okay. If you're me, you're happy, Woo. You're happy. <laughs> well, seriously, he locked me in the, the attic, so at least there's sunshine through that one window. I'm not mean. But, um, See, <laughs> I yes. gave you a window with some air and, so, and a bucket. He gave me a bucket, so you know, one meal a day, a bucket. You know, what? One more. Because they, and yeah. then I give you your collection of Marvel films. Don't forget your Marvel films. Yeah, at this point, I could just memorize them all in my head by now. See, seen them so many times. You're gonna have your own like Moon Knight moment. Your your personalities are gonna start splitting up for survival. That actually triggered me a lot because that reminded me a lot of my childhood. Not gonna lie. Really. Uh, to the point to the point where I can't I cannot watch that episode. It's just it's not like physically triggering, but it's like it's too much. It's too much, man. Yeah. Whoa. I. That's. I mean. I mean, do you mind sharing about that, about your experience with, is it, is it DID or like, what's the actual term? Like, I don't, it's not, nothing like really diagnosed, but when I see things like that, or like back at CSUN where we actually met, actually, we'll get into that story later. First of all, thank you for allowing me to be on your show. Hey, of course, brother. Of course. Yeah, dude. CSUN, man. God, you were, you are, not even were, you continue to be one hell of a character, Wu. And from what you've told me with how certain people act towards you, I guess not everyone, everyone has, uh, every, not everyone's meant for you, man. Some people are too weak for you. Like, get away if you can't handle this realness. But I've always appreciated you, Wu. Yep. I always take great pride of, you know who I am when you talk to me. There's, there's no two face going on. If I, if I'm the, if I'm the boss or if I'm a supervisor, I just say I, I can't do that. Like my hands are tied. That might sound like a crappy answer, but you know, normally though, if we're talking about just person to person, outside of like, like 
what I have to do. I I'm fairly straight up with people. I say fairly because not everybody can take the like concentrate of truth, as I like to say. Yeah. Some people get a little uncomfortable with the truth. Yep. But going back to what we were saying earlier, um, there was a play. I can't remember if um, one of our mutual friends was in it. I think it, I think she was. Patrick, I can't pronounce his last name. It starts with a B. Oh, but was in it. Pat yeah, B. he was in. Yeah, he was in it. And it was about a a mixed family of Korean and American families. I can't think of the title right off the top of my head, but. I was really triggered watching that just because it reminded me a lot of like my own background and the difficulties of like growing up as an immigrant and or a first immigrant I should clarify in the United States that really triggered me. So your parents immigrated here? Yeah, they immigrated in the 70s. Mm. They came over from South Korea both my mom and my dad and I'm thinking about it, like, the majority of my family still lives um, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is a bigger suburb of, like, Philadelphia, I think. I don't know. I haven't spent too long there to, like, actually know because I was born in the West Coast, baby, Los Angeles. <laughs> no, what? Uh, yeah, because I'm like, Harrisburg? Yeah. I'm like, what? So most of your family's in Harrisburg? Is that where your, yeah. is that where your mom or, is no, or Baltimore or D.C. A lot of my family lives in the Northeast, New York. But I I grew up on the West Coast. Actually, I'm, I have not lived anywhere outside of the West Coast of the United States my entire life. Really? I'm not. Yeah. When I moved to Las Vegas, like, God, five years ago. That was the first time that I lived anywhere other than California or Washington State. So it was it was kind of baffling for me that I lived anywhere other than those two places because I never lived anywhere else. So wait, so where so where did your mom and dad originally uh land to once they immigrated from South Korea? Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, mm. and then my dad moved to Los Angeles. Because he was going to start up a um, repair business. Actually, this is like one of the only stories that he hangs his hat on. Marcus Allen, you know Marcus Allen, you're a football guy. He actually came into my dad's body shop. No at the height of At the height of the LA Raiders, giving them like all $100 tips. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. oh. Yeah. Well, that's so, a cool thing about LA working here. Right? So it was, yeah. So it was a cool thing to just like hang your head on, and then like life in Los Angeles in the late '80s was getting pretty crazy, and then we moved to like Washington State because apparently it was going to be good for my um, physical therapy and my recovery. And <laughs> turns out it really wasn't. But you know, mm -hmm. we can get into that later if you want. Yeah, please. No, no. Keep, keep telling me. Well. What treatment? Well, I was born on October 18th, 1985. And the reason I bring that up is my one of my favorite movies, Back to the Future, takes place on October 26th, 1985. <laughs> so that holds a special place in my heart. Um, I was born 
early, like four weeks early. I was supposed to be born in November. And um, I, I want to preface this. If this is too graphic for any of your listeners, I apologize. This was at the time when they still used like the metal prongs on babies' heads to get them out. The and that's fuck? what caused... And that's what caused me to get cerebral palsy. But this was before they figured out that's what that does. Wait, what? You got cerebral palsy because they used metal claws when you were born to grab you and pull you? What in the fuck? Yeah, but back then they didn't know what that was. And unfortunately, like, they didn't have sharp enough lawyers. If they did back then, I would be... Financially secure for the rest of my life, but yeah. it is what it is. They, my mom and dad did everything to make me walk again. Mm. Took me to Korea. Took me to like New York. Took me to all these other places. Of course, I don't remember a lot of this stuff because I was like one, one and a half years old. But they took me everywhere. And then I don't know if they found this out in Los Angeles or they found this out when I moved up to the. Uh, Seattle area that I needed. I'll never forget this name. A dorsal rhizotomy, which is a back surgery. Say that again. A dorsal. Say that one more time, please. Dorsal rhizotomy. Dorsal rhizotomy. And that's an an operation? Yes, a back surgery. Um, And this makes me feel really special because, because... I I don't really think of myself as that extraordinary, like as a person. Yeah, but you are. They, they actually brought they actually flew a guy in from London to do my surgery because they never did a dorsal rhizotomy on a five year old child. Whoa! And what what was the if you don't mind me asking, what what was the procedure? What what did you what did you have to go through? Well, my back was like. Because I was born early, my back was messed up like severely, but they could they didn't know how how I was gonna develop or not develop, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you can't do surgery until you see a kid. Is he developing, you know, as he should if, if that what's, makes what's, sense. yeah, what what's supposed to grow a certain way and what's not supposed to grow so you can't know up until yeah. a certain point. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So by the time I was five, they said I needed to have a surgery. At the time, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought this is this is what kids do. Huh, um, it was normal to you. Yeah. Well, you, well, like at five, like what is normal at that mm-hmm. point, or at all even. But so I got the surgery when I was five. Didn't know why I couldn't move. I stayed a little bit in the Ronald McDonald house in Seattle and pretty much I've had shoulder and back pain, like not shooting, but irritations ever since. Like that's why I go to physical therapy like once a week, every three months, because like there's nothing, there's nothing in my body you can fix, you know, like, these are all nerves, and these are all, like, you know, things that are, are are things that surgery just can't fix, these are, like, like, nerve and, like, neurological things that you can't fix, and that's one of the reasons, speaking of, that's one of the reasons why that's where my, my, uh, cerebral palsy comes from, almost a Bell's palsy, 
I'll get into that a little bit later. But my cerebral palsy comes from my brain being dormant. Part of my brain that controls like fine motor skills and walking was damaged when I was born. Because of that claw. Yeah. And, And also because like no disrespects to my mother and my dad in this regard, but they weren't young when I was born. Mm. My dad was like, like forty-five when I was born, mm. and my bo- and my mother was like my age when I was born. Like they weren't planning to like have another kid, and you know, just more family drama that turned me into an artist. <laughs> more, yeah, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, I don't know the factors that go into like what brings up cerebral palsy i don't know if i shared this with you before but my uh, i had a little brother he passed away uh, years ago uh but he he had cerebral palsy and i we were uh, uh, uh he also had uh, uh, other things going on with his body but i dude i know that i know that life of just going to the hospital seeing doctors procedure after procedure my little brother even had to get like a g-tube put into him you ever heard of those um vaguely i know see that's the thing with me like i was never supposed to be i was never supposed to live past a day let alone like years and a lot of the things that someone in my position does deal with i don't have to deal with what do you mean by that well, like you were talking about with your brother, a lot of that stuff, I like the doctors are still flabbergasted to this day when I go see them. Like, how are you able to do so much and but still, you know, have this ailment? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I get that all the time from doctors. Like, they're, I still get flabbergasted by doctors um, or Doctors are flabbergasted by me, proper English here, um, <laughs> when when they see me because they're shocked that I'm able to do all the things that I'm able to do with my physical limitations. Were you were you told because my brother, me and my mom, like we were told that my little brother was like a life expectancy wise, like they told us past 30. We don't know. Like, were you told, like, is that what you're talking about when the doctors are flabbergasted? The fact that you're here, you're still fucking, you know, putting out your voice out there, not just, you know, sitting in one place, you know, you're doing shit. You're like, is that what the doctors are so flabbergasted about? Here's the thing. No one ever, like, sat me down and told me what I was. Mm. No one ever told me this is what happened. I found that out, like years later which is a horrible horrible way to find it out because well, you found out lo- different like like you for mean- the longest time like i never knew what i was and and i'm trying to like censor myself enough so like i don't go too explicit here because I, I i don't like to be too explicit i think it's too cheap okay. but um <laughs> When I went to elementary school and into junior high school, particularly in elementary school, adults would just ring me for no reason, like chastise, chastise me for no reason. And I understand why, because they didn't know how to deal with a person like me, but they 
said horrible things to my face. Wait, like what? Uh, what were they telling you? Um, you're unteachable. Your math with you is a waste of time. Oh. Um, yeah, and they would say this to my face. And if someone like t- talked to my daughter or my son, I don't have any children, but if they did, I would go over them and say, who the hell do you think you are talking to my children that way? Mm-hmm. And that, which is why I don't have a lot of respect for teachers that have that have no other income, have no other skills, and do this, and yet they chastise children. I have no respect for people like that. Um, and it got even worse because my dad, would, who has no patience, was saying to me things like, you know, I'm ashamed of you. You're never going to amount to anything. So, that, yeah. That says a lot Not, about them. You know what I mean? About like, just says that your dad was probably just feeling the stressors and the pressures himself, didn't know how to cope with that. So he just, boom, spilled it onto you. Your teachers, same thing. Like, they just didn't have the patience enough to just, you know, take their time with a student who doesn't, you know, learn the same way as other students. It's fuck woo. Like took me a long time to understand that. And I wanted to kill myself when I was eight years old, eight years old. I was about to ask when this happened. So you were eight years old when this was happening. Yeah. Because no one explained to me why I'm being chastised by this or like this. So no one, why are you, like, why are you talking to me this way? And back in the 90, early 90s, you like, if a kid asked that question, you tell them to basically mind their own business or tell them to go away. It isn't like how it is now. Like, I look at, I look at how, like, di- like, different kids are being dealt with now, and I'm like, wow, this was not how it was when I was growing up. But you know, it. It made me understand and made me value how life, how valuable life is, how important hope is, and to never treat other people that way. Mm-hmm. Like every bad experience I have ever had, I've used to, I've used to remind me to never, never bully people because you can. That's stupid. You know? Yeah. Damn, man. But just eight years old, Woo, and all this yeah. shit, and then you just want... So so you basically, nobody ever sat... Like, no one ever sat down with eight-year-old Woo and said, Hey, Woo, you have cerebral palsy. This is why, you know, things might feel different for you. No one ever gave... Like, how old were you when you had that realization? Well, I would pick things up from my physical therapist and you know i would i would like this is one of the reasons why you know like superheroes always kind of spoke to me because i i would notice things that other people wouldn't and i would pick up on things that other people did that they didn't know they were even doing i would and i would learn to deduce and understand and that's why i became so intuitive I, I picked up on things and I used my um, problem-solving mind to try to figure out, okay, this is how 
why people are like this and this is why this is. And I also learned to just be observant. Mm-hmm. Like when people's eyes don't blink or when when they see something and their eyes are like zigzagging all over the place, <laughs> that probably means they're not being very truthful. Mm-hmm. You know, some things that other people wouldn't pick up on. But I'm not I'm the guy that no one noticed. So that's why they didn't notice when I didn't. And I still do it to this day. I cannot not do it. It's not an ability that you can just turn off, you know. It's your mutant gene. Yeah, mutant inhuman. They'll just come <laughs> up with another word for it. <laughs> yeah. So, so talking about superheroes, then who like who was wh- growing up as a kid, going through all that? When when was your first introduction to a to a superhero, and who was it? Um, honestly, my first introduction to a superhero was George Reeves' Superman. And as I understood Superman a lot more, it's like, he looks like everyone else, but he's not like everyone else. Mm -hmm. Like, he he looks like the average person, but he's not the average person. Like, Like, he's stuck between, I look like everybody else, but I'm not like everybody else. I look like anybody else but i'm not i'm not like everybody i'm extraordinary but no one but no one sees it and then when i was 13 14 someone very close to me said you know you remind me of this guy matt murdoch from marvel comics (laughs) on daredevil and i was like yeah this guy is like me because he's trying to look for justice in a world that has no justice and he's trying to fight the urge between wanting to like brutalize people because that's a part of me that was very, very much a part of me when I was younger and trying to hold back and trying to like keep well within yourself, you know, like I and I I, I, I struggled with that a lot more when we actually knew each other. But now I just, now I just don't care. Now I have real problems, like everyday problems that I don't have time to deal with insecure people. Like, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. That's a waste of energy. You can't yeah. change people, and you can only do so much. But it, I don't know. It's like it's like Bruce Almighty. Like, how do you change the world one good deed at a time? You know, you, or or you just like treat people the way you want to be treated, and that's uh. I mean, that's how I look. That's how I look at my life, and and here's the biggest misconception of me. Tell me, um, people think I'm I'm a jerk to everyone, and no, I'm not a jerk to everyone. I can just I can just see when someone's not being genuine, or when they're being fake, or if I if, if I don't if I. If I don't say anything to you, or if I just say, hi, how are you doing? Like, that's me being polite. I'm not a nice guy. Like, I'm not going to be friends with just anyone just for the sake of cultivating friendships, unless I'm told to by someone I work with, like, to do that. I don't do that. Like, you're either my friend or you're not. Right. And that's, and if I'm not like very friendly to, to to this particular person, like if I'm not nice to this person, it's probably because I can see that you're not a very genuine person, and I don't have time for disingenuous people. You know, I, I deal with that. I deal with that enough in my life. Why would I need to add to that list? 
quality over quantity and, when it comes to you, it looks like. Yep. And one of my one of my favorite quotes from Lorne Michaels, the creator of Saturday Night Live, he said to Mike Myers once, he said, Beware of the first person that wants to be your friend, they'll soon become your enemy. Oh shit. And and, and truth be told, more often than not, that turns out to be true. Anyone that comes up to you wanting to be buddy buddy with you, you have no idea who they are. That's because they want something from you. Mm, yeah, that always happens to be the case, huh? The person who like yep. comes in a little too friendly. It's like, what do you want yeah. from me? Yeah, and and generally speaking, more often than not, like those people are usually the people that I tend to have like heat with or beef with later. Like people that don't like I like are like whatever and like I don't really hit it off with. Like those the people that I tend to like be friendly with or be friends with. I was trying to think the other day like when we actually met because I can't remember. Because oh. what face and I don't think... that I walked into the green room and you were there. Like did, were you hanging out in the green room before I showed up? I I think I was because. Your interview with Stephanie Hostin that I listened to, very good interview, by the way. Um, You weren't a theater person, and neither was I. Um, This is a story that I will tell to all the the CSUN people that we knew till the day I I died. And I think think I'll actually, like, write this to our friends Nick and Jessamine who are getting married in less than 10 days by the time this probably comes out. Congratulations. This will be out ASAP, so I hope they're hearing this. Congratulations, Nick and Jessamine. Yeah. Um, I my best friend David, who I still talk to this to this day, known him fifteen years, which blows my mind that I've like maintained that relationship that long because usually I don't. Um, he was going to see some as a composer in two thousand 12 2013 which blows my mind that it's been 10 years ago now jesus (laughs) like that that blows my mind that it's been a decade or close to it i was i I just moved to la just because you know i needed to do it if you want to become a filmmaker if you want to become a screenwriter you have to go to new york or la to just see if you got it you know like to just see if you have it but I didn't have any plans outside of that. And getting a job for a person in a wheelchair, getting a nine to five like everyone else is not the easiest thing to do. So I was just like living off my my, my mother's like life insurance. Mm. I'm not I'm not I'm not proud of that. I'm not ashamed of it. It's what is what it is. Yeah. That's what you got to do right now. It's like, what, what else can you do? Like you said, it's hard for someone in a wheelchair to get a nine to five, you know? Yeah. And to go back to the story, I was going to visit my best friend, David, at mm. CSUN. And I did this a couple times before. Actually, when I first moved in June of 2011 to Los Angeles, I asked him, so when are you coming down? And he was like, I'm not going to be in there until August. So I was like, Okay, what am I? What am I gonna do in, until he until he gets here? When he actually got there, I don't know if this was the second or third time that I visited him. Close to it though, um, I went to see Sun, but I didn't have a phone on me at the time, or or I did, and 
I did, and I just left it on airplane mode. I can't remember now. But I do remember it was kind of a rainy day or a cloudy day. I remember that. And I, and anybody who doesn't know Los Angeles Metro Transit, from downtown LA to Northridge, California, is about an hour and 20 minutes Ooh, that's a, on that's a, a bus. Trip. That's a trip right there, dude. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not a big deal for me, but it's not like the easiest thing in the world to do for the average person. And after 10 a.m., you're lucky to get anywhere back to L.A. under three hours. Oh, yeah. Like, so I'm like, I, I, I was kind of upset with them at the time. Like, now I don't even worry about it, but... Uh, yeah, but on was, L.A. Transit, when you're on the bus, though, like, when you go to the bus, though... Like you enter, you pay, you scan your card, whatever you have. Don't you get that spot near the front? People got to get up and they got to fold the the seats up, right? Yeah. And I got the message that he couldn't meet up with me, like literally outside the Wetzel's Pretzels. Oh. So, so I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? On. So I just, I just like, because I had formed friendships in Burbank then moved over to Northridge that summer. Uh-huh. But like it was too early to meet up with them, so because they worked at GameStop at the time. So I me being a theater kid from the time I was about fifteen to about well now I'm never <laughs> stopping a theater kid. Um I just checked out the green room and like I always do what I always do. I just hang out, say hello, say why I'm here. But as the day, as the weeks went on, um, because sometimes I wouldn't have anything to do, I would just hang out in the green room and watch people's bags because that's what I usually did. Um, I was also trying to get into the film program at CSUN. Got rejected twice. And they didn't, on the second letter, they said, they didn't even bother to say, we encourage you to reapply again next year. Ew, but did you? You you did, obviously, right? No, I did. After that second letter, I was like, screw it. I'm going to, to web search Cal State University film program. And um, lo and behold, Cal State LA popped up. Oh, and that's, that's how I found campus. Yeah, and that's how I found out found Cal State LA, which I didn't even know existed. Really? Until I, until I googled it, I did not know that was even a real place. Dude, that's um, hidden away. Like it is like yes. in the hills. Yeah, if you don't know it exists, you don't know it's there. No. That's like, uh, which is also cool, but also really really difficult if you commute because you have to go up, down a hill, two hills. To get to the bus stops there, but um, going back to the green room story, I just hung out, and that's where I met the majority of my LA friends. Dude, that's now, so rad. You were just hanging but, out, and we all just became friends and shit. But like, some people are like, "What are you doing here? Like, I only see you in this room. Like, do you even go? Like, this wasn't even before that movie came out. Do you I even go, go here?" <laughs> Which Cody, our mutual friend Cody. Mm, says Cody. said to me many many times but yeah i met everybody that i met Lindsay, i met our our mutual friend logan which you have to get him on the podcast oh, he's got yeah. a, 
things going on right now. Um, I met everybody pretty through there. The first thing I thought about you is, man, that guy has good hair. <laughs> you had the you had the great almost like, um, oh, um, Buddy Holly, Elvis Presley look going at the time. Oh, the hair, the, the hair was perfectly in place. This was before my my. I started my terror with my iPhone camera at the time. Getting wooed. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what I'm talking about. Like, I, I, I just didn't. I just needed to pass the time because um, there was really like nothing to do. And this was before I could. This is before, and the, not that this was a long time ago, but this was before unlimited, unlimited data. Ah. Uh. So I didn't know like. Spotify and Apple Music was a thing until way later. Ooh. Until like way, way later. But then you became a title know. man, didn't you? You, be, you yeah. became a title man. Yes, I do. Yes, I am a title man because I love, I'm an audiophile guy. I'm very much into like, you know, the details and like instruments and stuff like that. But but I just did it to pass time and like everybody, I got pictures of everybody and you. You have the best expressions on uh, of getting rude that I uh, so much I I still have to this day on my Instagram that I'll never that I'll never take down. Uh, it's a fun time yeah. capsule, dude. That's a fun yeah. time capsule you've created. Yeah, because a lot of it, like a couple years later, like everybody just went their own ways and. Mm. Like, we'd spend just hours there and, like, just talking and hanging out. There was never, like, thankfully, thank God, there was no, like, green room drama going on. No. Often happens in green rooms. You know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. having sex with somebody, it didn't work out. No, no, they moved on to somebody else. Like, for people who are listening to this who are not theater people, like, that happens a lot. More than it should. The green room was like neutral ground. Like if someone was dating someone else, right? Like that couple may not enter the green room, but they'll pass by, look inside the green room, and they'll make eye contact with everyone in there. And once they leave, they'll be like, oh, shit, did you see who they're with now? Oh, okay. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, Yeah, everybody did. And, you know, may he rest in peace, Lance Amen. Lancey Pants. Yeah, you. He had that problem a couple times. <laughs> like, this is not disparaging, but he uh, had that problem a couple times. Like, I'm not gonna name names, but he had a few girls that would frequent the green room and check and see if he was in there. And the, oh, <laughs> fucking romantic I, little lover boy, man. <laughs> I saw the look. I saw the looks. I'm, again, I'm not gonna name names, but I I saw the looks and you know. Lance having that awkward look on his face like, yeah, I know what I did, but he, he would never say that look. Yeah, his mouth would get all small, and he'd be like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like the, the Mr. Magoo I thought of it, <laughs> thought of at the time. And, uh, and actually, the, the green one was the last place I actually saw Lance before he died. Really? Yeah. And that couch was there. I don't know if it was there. It's still there now because I haven't been there since I left LA, which was a whole crazy story in and of itself. I'll get into that a bit later. But yeah, um, I'll I'll never forget this. I needed something out of my bag. He gave me my bag and then I got it out. I think I was like 
an iPhone charger. Oh, no, no. It was saline spray for my nose. He, he, he got my bag, put it back, and that was the last time I ever saw him. Then, then a couple of weeks later, you DM'd me and told me what happened. And Yeah. Uh, <sighs> that, that, that was the only time, like, after last night, that, that first couple of weeks was just very, very awkward. I don't know if you were still there or not, but I was. Like, it was awkward at CSUN. Yeah, it was awkward in the green room. Like, like it was the people that were there, like before, weren't there that much anymore. And like the people that used to, used to welcome people, like that whole vibe had just gone away. And, you know, it, it was still fun. We made it fun afterwards, but like. I gotta tell you, like the like the first couple of weeks, the people that didn't know, like, felt awkward because they didn't know Lance, and the people that didn't know Lance, like, like it was just odd being there. It was just I know I didn't leave until I actually like left Los Angeles, but yeah, for the first couple of weeks, it was really really awkward. Mm, I mean, death, death has an effect on people different effects right people are they deal with it differently they co like i just hope people at csun after lance passed away i hope they talked you know like that's what i would have done if i was at csun and you know when he passed away i would have just been in that room and just been like y'all can we just share our favorite memories about him can we cry and we did oh you did yay and we and we did like when like it was just like the remain the remaining people that were there not any of the new the new the newbies but when the the remaining people were there we didn't plan anything we were just all sitting around the that big table they brought in like that huge almost like game of thrones looking wood table <laughs> they brought in like yeah and i told the story that i just told and i told this to lance's family and i'll say it here the one thing i wished i would have done is like take lance out for a drink and just told him dude chill out relax a bit everyone <laughs> likes you you're you're naturally talented you have nothing to worry about you have nothing to worry about. You, you're going to have a career as long as you want it. And I never got to say that to him. No. I wish I had. I, I wish I had. But I never got the opportunity to. And it's not something that I beat myself up about. But I wish I would have t- told him that. Because he would beat himself up a lot yeah. over over his performance. I'm like, dude, you're, you're great. Like... Like, everybody's going to have missteps. But, like, he would beat himself up when he did, like, you know, tore the house down. And, you know, when he was in, like, it looked like he wasn't even trying very hard. And, you know, I wish I just told him, like, chill, relax, enjoy what you do more. Because let me tell you, people, people that don't have half your talent, like, don't struggle like this. And... So you don't have to either. I wish I would have told him that, because like Lance was a good dude. Like yeah. at the end of the at the end of the day, like he had his little quirks, but he he was a good dude. Like no one can say they had heat with Lance Amon. Oh no! Like yeah, no, no one. No. Like even though he broke some hearts, like there <laughs> never was. There never. I at least I never saw it. There was never like visible heat between a girl and him. 
No, never, never animosity, never any like hurt. Like I'm sure there were feelings and whatnot, you know, good and bad, but he was always a gentleman about it at least, you know, cause I would do. I remember once, uh, during, uh, during a cast party, it was just me and him and we were just sitting down, sipping, sipping some whiskey and just shooting the shit and like just seeing him relaxed. Like that boy could drink like fuck. Yeah. God, he could drink, man. Uh, but he, dude, I smoked weed with him like for the, not, not the first time I ever did it, but I remember uh, we actually did a, uh, a stream to not a stream, but we recorded gameplay. We were playing this game on his computer. It was like this witch hunting game. And we were just smoking some weed. And I never really smoked weed in college, surprisingly enough. I, not until way later did I start, but I smoked, <laughs> I smoked with him. And, and it's the, you could, you can see it now, dude, his YouTube page. It's still up right now. I'll send it to you later if you want, but it's, like if you if you're if I don't know did you know that exists that he has a, a YouTube page he had one I heard about it but I never actually saw it because I was just going through, through my own like drama at the time but I know you're talking about the well, I never I'll, saw it I'll send it to you then because it's like if if you just want to hear his voice for a little bit it's 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 fun it's a nice little nice little capsule like ugh, thank God for the internet like stuff like that we kind of immortalized you know a piece of lance is always gonna be there yeah it's funny because our friend lulu lulu mac who was dating our other friend jared whose birthday is today at the time of recording hey. happy, happy birthday, happy birthday jared. jared um lulu told the story after lance died they had just gotten together they just started dating, and this was i don't know what party this was and Lance just goes off on Jared, like, because he's wasted and, like, he's going off on Jared and I'm, like, <laughs> like t- talking down to him. And Jared's, like, right behind him, standing next to Lulu. <laughs> and, he does- and he doesn't know it at the time. <laughs> oh, my God. He was just talking shit about Lance, about Jared. Yes. And. <laughs> Not only Jared was standing there, Lulu was standing there. I don't know how long this went for, but it went for like a good two, three minutes the way she told it. Like, funny, funny. Yeah, he's a, he's, he was a bold kid, man. If that guy was still alive now, like, he, like, the sky was the limit. He would have been streaming on Broadway, making his own shit, writing. Yeah, and I think, I think, and this is why I wanted to take him out for a drink, because I don't think he knew how great he was, Mm. like, not as a performer and not as a person, and I wish I would have said that to him, but, you know, I was going through, through my own drama at the time, and, you know, a lot of bad things happened from... Uh, 2016 to 2018. I'm not gonna detail all of it, but I'll I'll just d- detail the highlights. Yeah. So soon when I soon when I write my autobiography, I'll go into the details <laughs> of what happened. Um, one of my autobiographies, I should say. You'll come back on um, the show to promote it. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Well, since this is called Dobby, why the F not? Like that is what my life has been about the good things and like some of the things that maybe not good choices at the the time led me to, 
you know, one great experiences and great things. And one of them was moving to LA. It was hard because um, on multiple levels, but one of them was I didn't leave my apartment for a good like three, four months when I moved when I moved to Los Angeles. I was too scared to go oh, anywhere. That's fair. LA's yeah. huge. <laughs> Yeah, and I uh, the biggest city I'd ever lived in was like three million people, oh. and that was like, and that was like on my block in Koreatown. But <laughs> I I learned a lot about myself in LA to the point where I like I don't see myself if I get financially less secure. I don't see myself living anywhere else other than San Diego or Los Angeles. I know that sounds nuts to some people and I'm not trying to like promote the greatness of California because there is a lot wrong with it. But if, but if you like your, like your own privacy and you don't like people getting into your business, move to LA because <laughs> people, people are so like wrapped up into their own stuff. They won't even notice you. Which, like, I I relished when I first moved to Los Angeles. That was when I first realized that there was nothing wrong with me. That living in Washington State all that time made me the outsider. Because ah. when I moved to Los Angeles, everything that everybody, like, criticized me for, no one did. You were just and some I, other guy on the street. And I never felt that way in my life. <laughs> I was... I almost broke down in tears when oh, I realized right. that, yeah, because I never felt that way. And when I finally, when I finally like realized that the, the joy, but also like the resentment came in, like you motherfuckers, like <laughs> all the, all these years, all these years, all decades of making me feel like the outsider when it was when it was you people that were the odd people like to the like when i on the off chance that i met people in washington state when i lived in los angeles or even here in las vegas and that old feeling in the back of my head comes back it's like oh you're from the pacific northwest <laughs> that's that's why you sound like you like you think you know everything and you're so pretentious. That's where this yeah. vibe's coming from. I see. Yeah, I see. because yeah, because you don't get that in LA. No one cares enough to know what know what you what you think about. Everyone's like, got their own hustle. Everyone's got their own shit to do. Yeah, and no one hides that, which I like. Because mm -hmm. it's LA. It's self-explanatory. But yeah, like. Every every couple every week, man, like on the, on the on the dot, I would leave my apartment. Um, uh, what's that? What's that one theater? The Wiltern. I I lived like down the street from the Wiltern Theater. Mm, in great a, theater. In Los. I never been inside. Drove by, never went inside. Used it as like cover on the off day that it would rain, but it would. <laughs> I never went inside. But, but on the on the dime, on the, the tick, I went from my apartment at nine fifteen, got on the metro, the purple line, or yeah, they call it something different now. Dude, I've, all these LA is just like the orange line, the red line, the purple line, the blue line. Yeah, and now they're adding they're like adding to the purple line because the Olympics are coming there soon. So Holy one day you. 
So one day you're going to be able to go to Koreatown to Westwood. This means nothing for the people that don't know Los Angeles, by the way. Um, but they're adding to the purple line, and soon you're going to be able to go to from Koreatown to Westwood via subway. That's so cool. Which is awesome, because t- who wants to drive to Westwood yeah, from Koreatown? Dude, yeah. I heard I heard once that Walt Disney wanted to have a monorail system all down SoCal. All that is the five freeway. Just wanted a monorail system to make it easier for people to come and go. But then the automotive yeah. industry shut that shit down. They're like, nope, we want a freeway. Yeah, but also it's kind of good that there wasn't a monorail there. Plus, any kind of roads, there would be there would be so many accidents on that damn monorail. You think so? You think it wouldn't be like a flawless system? You think there no, would be... No, in California drivers, there's nothing flawless. <laughs> They'd probably nothing... still be under construction, even if they started back then. There's nothing flawless about it. There's absolutely nothing flawless about it. Uh, um, but yeah, like, going, like every, every Thursday or Friday, I would leave my apartment and leave my apartment at like 8.30, mm-hmm. go to the Purple Line, go to Union Station, get on the transport train, and go to Northridge every week, <laughs> even, even when my friend wasn't there. And you don't know this story. I'd, like This is the first time I've ever like, publicly like said this story. But every week I would do that, every week, and just you know do that same thing over and over and over. And after a while, nobody even questioned why I was there. They just like, hey, Wu, what are you doing? What's up, man? Like, oh, you, you're just hanging out? Cool. Yeah, they do. They wouldn't even say that anymore towards the end. It's like, oh, who's here? Yeah. <laughs> I just assume you were a theater kid, dude. Honestly, right now, I'm like, what the fuck? You were just hanging out? That's so cool. Like, why not? Even when I went to Cal, even when I went to Cal State on my day off, I would do that. Because what else am I going to do? Like, like, weren't you friends with, like, David Del Mundo and everything? No. David Del Mundo, I don't even think knows who I am. To no, this I feel. Why do I feel like you were even cool with the administrators in the theater department? Well, because I, 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 I treated them with respect, which I don't think I'll, I. I'm not saying nobody did, but a lot of people my age don't do that. They don't go out of their way to say hello. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like age, like age came like when I was trying to get into. Season, she was cool with me because we were both Korean, but like, I, I just went out of my way to like say hi to everybody because that's how I was brought up as a theater kid. My mentor, Brian Terrell, who was my theater teacher in junior college, he said to me, one of our early like classes, and he said to me, treat everyone with respect, say hello to everyone because you never know like who that person is going to be later. Mm. so and creative people we have long memories when it comes <laughs> to bad interactions with people oh yeah so always treat everyone with respect and this is what i got from my other mentors in when i was in high school kid if you have the money to pay for everyone's lunch at least offer to do it yeah i like that and not that I was trying to like kiss up to anybody, but that's how you get instant respect. Do the jobs that no one wants to do. That's why I didn't mind watching people's bags. I wasn't going to go anywhere. 
You know, I that's why I offered like you go you go do this and I'll stay here as long as you as long as you guys are gone, I'm not gonna go anywhere. And this was even before like DMing and texting was like a big thing. So yeah, I would just do that like every so often. I remember you needed a fork. What? Because the <laughs> Mexican restaurant forgot to give you a in the common area or like the food court thing at season. They yeah. didn't give you a fork. So I went down went down and got you a fork. I was only gone like ten seconds. Ah, because- dude, you have a great memory. I think I have some recollection of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I remember it because I didn't do it like often. Uh-huh. If I did it like every, I did it for everybody. I would forget. But like, yeah, I I don't forget the fork, Stephen. I don't get just anyone a fork. So I remember when I got you that fork. <laughs> no, <laughs> the other reason I remember it so well is because I really wanted to get there as quickly as possible because I didn't want to like leave you waiting for like. 10 minutes because i i hate it when like i'm a very like like i'm a very empathic empathetic person like Mm -hmm. so i i know what it's like to wait for something like that and i didn't want to make you wait so so that's why i got there as quickly as possible i didn't know i was gonna get there that quickly god i I hope i said thank you because that's amazing of you dude you're actually astonished that i was back so soon because it was literally, <laughs> I was like, I was like quick self-air. I was like here and back before you even finished asking me. You're like, you want to see me do it again? I'm done. <laughs> I, I, could, I could do it. But oh my God, that wheelchair was such a piece of garbage that I had at season. Yeah. That blue, that was such a piece of garbage. What would it do? <laughs> would it just break down on you? It would break down and... The company, the wheelchair company at the time, I'm not going to name their name because I made up <laughs> later and I'm not kidding. I'm Fair not enough. kidding. I may have to deal with them. but And they were nearby. They were in um, the SF Valley. So, And that was the other bonus of like me going to CSUN often because it wasn't that long of a bus ride to go mm-hmm. there if you needed anything. But um, it would always break down, and it would always like the like the battery would always have issues. And some days I would be like on the sidewalk in Pasadena waiting for a taxi for like an hour and a half, two hours, just in the cold, in my just in my sweatpants and a t-shirt. Oh. And, in Pasadena, like, which is beautiful, but can get really cold. Yeah, and also like. There, like this was before like Lyft became a thing, and like, or and taxis in Los Angeles are awful. Yeah, like they're just awful. Um, there, it's nothing like Las Vegas. Las Vegas, if you're near a hotel, the hotel service will actually call the the taxi service themselves and get you a taxi within like ten minutes. If it's an emergency and you need to get out of there, which happened to me like once in like late, late 2018. But seriously about that blue wheelchair, when I, when I got rid of it, like in March or April of 2019, that was one of the happiest days of my life that I didn't, that I didn't have to deal with that lemon, any, lemon anymore. And I didn't know this at the yeah, I, I, I didn't know this at the time, but you're not supposed to charge the wheelchair and keep it charged, like, until you need to use it. Like, you're not supposed to do that. But here's the thing. No one told me that 
Wait, what? 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 What aren't you supposed to do? Like keep it. So, tell me what you're supposed. Tell me. So here's what you're supposed to do, and I didn't know this until I got my new watcher, until some someone actually like half-heartedly like told me because I didn't know this. You're supposed to charge an electric watcher, depending on the watcher. This it's different with all models, of course, but the average watcher, electric watcher, you're only supposed to charge every eight to ten hours. So, like, say, like, 11 o'clock and then you wake up at 9 a.m., that's when you unplug it. Oh. And, and, but I didn't know that at the time. So I just left my, my wheelchair charged until I needed to use it. That's what wore down the battery. Oh. But again, and nobody like, told you. Yeah, again, no one told me. And when I found out, again, I'm leaving names out because I may have to deal with these people again. And I actually went to the bank where I told this woman over the phone what had happened with my wheelchair. I'm not going to go into the details of what happened, but I needed a lot of repairs. But I just moved to Las Vegas and I told her, yeah, I have all these things. And she said, oh, your wheelchair just went out of went out of date. You need to get a new one. And I just moved to a new state. And I lost my ID and I didn't have any health insurance because I I was new to the state. And I literally hung up on her after she told me that. Because I had been in Los Angeles for about six months and they could have told me that over the phone and like like we would have worked the details out. Yeah. Oh horrible system. Yeah, but no one did. And that's that's one of the only few people I've ever hung up on in my life. And I actually went back to that bank, which looks that Bank of America. That location looks exactly the same as it was when I was there four years ago. It's crazy. <laughs> added, they've added a couple more tables, but it looks exactly the same. <laughs> like it was really shocking to me. But um. You know, we've been talking for so long, and we haven't even talked about movies yet. Do you um, realize that? Yeah, and I, I know you want to talk about that before, before the day's done. Yeah. Oh, man, no rush at all. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I mean, if you don't mind me taking that hard tangent, I, I, I want to ask, when, when did movies play a big role in your life? Because you said that evening with your birthday. You know, Back to the Future. There's that connection with that good film right there, right? With that date. But what, what, when was the first time that the movie bug bit you? The movie bug bit me, and this is just so cliche by now, but the movie bug bit me when I watched the special features for Star Wars. Mm. And, and just found, found out how many of those things that are made. And this isn't this isn't a plug, but but this is the truth. Um, on Disney Plus right now, they have this great five-part documentary called Light and Magic about the history of Industrial Light and Magic, the special effects company that pretty much did all of Indiana Jones and all of Star Wars. It's really interesting Ooh. if people are interested in that. Um, but yeah, I watched the DVD, the DVD special features uh-huh. on that, and just memorized it over and over and then you know 
And then I listened to all the commentaries on Star Wars and some of my favorite shows like Angel and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And like that was the moment where I was like, you could do this for a living. You could you could write you could write like TV episodes for a living. This is how naive I was at like 15, 16, 17 years old. And then I I realized that I realized that I had some talent in this and it was all. It was only when, like, my teachers, like Marvin Smith, who's now retired, and Steve Rothman, who, who I, I hope is listening to this because he was the guy when I went to Cal State LA that reignited my, you know, desire to want to write, like, not just script, just write anything. Um, who actually, if you watch like The Big Bang Theory, uh-huh. look up the character Professor Rothman. He's actually, he's not, he doesn't look like my, he doesn't look like Steve Rothman. He's going to hate me for mentioning this on, in public. But there's a Professor Rothman in like season five or season six of The Big Bang Theory. Yeah. And Mark, Mark Roberts, who also co-created Mike and Molly, is friends with um, my professor and that's where the character Professor Rothman came from. Is he? I'm, I'm seeing photos now. Is he the guy with the beard, with the white yeah. beard? Yeah, he's he's not bald in real life. He actually has like really long hair. I think they made him bald <laughs> just to just to knock Professor Rothman. But yeah, that blew my mind when I when I um when I um uh, found that I also that one of my other teachers i can't remember his name i i deeply apologize was the original voice of donatello on the for the, the, the animated show yeah the 1980s teenage Mutant ninja turtles no way yes Wait, that, that was the, a teacher of yours when um 2015-16 oh i'm sorry 16-17 yeah, that blew my mind when I found that. Like, I gushed over him for that. Because that, that show I grew up on, that, that was one of the formative shows of my life. Was it Barry team. Gordon? Yes, Barry Gordon. That's who it was. I Googled it. I Googled it. Yeah. No way. How cool, dude. Wait, so. And he actually sounds like Donatello when he's just naturally talking. <laughs> he's not putting on a voice either. So, that's Donatello. That's so sick, dude. So, so writing. Is that. Because, yes. like you said, you were looking at like the the bonus features for like Star Wars and just the commentary. Were you just be Were you just completely. Uh, did you just come fall in love with the process of creating movies and that realizing like, Oh shit, these are people's actual careers. Like it was more that than the actors themselves or anything. You just fell in love with like the actual story builders. Um, no, no disrespect to Ali Stroker who, <laughs> who I, who I am like in awe of. And if I ever met her in real life, I think I would just like, just being complete check. Not only is she beautiful, but like she's so strong and she's like me. Mm. But I didn't want like Ali Strucker is like the exception to the rule in terms of like wheelchair actors. Like I, I didn't want to be like random guy on Law and Order that's in a wheelchair. I didn't think that was going to be a great career for me. You know. 
Okay. Like, there's there's been exceptions to the rule, but those are few and far between. I didn't want to be, you know, the gimmick. The gimmick. I didn't want to be that guy. Um, yeah. But, but and then I realized being behind the scenes, uh, it doesn't matter what you look like. Mm. So I could look like a bum on set every day. <laughs> and as long as I didn't smell and didn't look like a bum, I could like pretty much like, you know, dress any way I wanted. And, you know, but the creative process, like you said, like not to jump ahead to our like Bernard Pivot questionnaire <laughs> later, but like that, that, re- that really turns me on. Like that's one of the things that turned me on. That's one of the reasons why I went back to the green room just to sit, hear everyone's process and just hear everyone like like how they get how they break down a character. And I mean, I just observed and I just took notes about how I could direct 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 actors and me acting myself. I know how to talk to them on a, on a level that most directors wouldn't be able to and being empathetic and being an empathetic person like helps with that too. But yeah, like that whole process I just fell in love with and still am, but I don't I don't know what I'm what my future holds and but fortunately like fortunately or unfortunately that's a lot of people at this <laughs> current day and age uh but you're here dude and are you writing are you always writing like have you uh... i'm not creatively writing anymore because just just because i don't have the time to do it like Mm. i'm i'm very much the head of the household i take care of things that need to be taken care of and Mm. look out for things and because that's one of the reasons why we ended up in Las Vegas in the first place. I'm not going to go into it because it would take like four hours and I don't think I have that time. That's the next but, episode if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but like I, I, deal with, I deal with so much like just day-to-day stuff that like – and it's all on me that I don't have time to create a write. I do still write reviews. If you mm. look on my Facebook page, like I still write reviews. Mm-hmm. I still, I still write for a couple of Facebook, like fa- Facebook fan page groups because that's. I realize if you let a gift go it, without doing it too long, no matter what it is, it doesn't even have to be like serious acting. Like you probably feel the same way. If you don't perform every once in a while, that gift st- starts to atrophy. Yeah. And, Oh yeah, fucking and, COVID definitely did that to me. Oh, yeah, and that's when I realized that you know these reviews that I'm writing, mm-hmm. those are creative things too, and I'm still using a lot of the same things. But as I've gotten over the last few years, I noticed that there's a big divide between what the audience likes and what critics like. That's why I don't read a lot of critics' reviews. Because they're putting out a lot of their own personal, like, personal preferences. Not even opinions, but preferences, exactly, Mm. about what they like. And, like, that doesn't take any skill. I did not go to film school for, for, like, six, seven, eight years to hear anybody's opinion. Like, anybody (laughs) can, like, anybody can do that with an iPad. Like, that's not... I don't think that takes any talent. That's why I try to leave my personal preferences out of my reviews and just review what's actually there. And that's what I hope to do if I ever become a professor. Because I, 
anybody can tell you what they liked or what they didn't, but can you tell can you tell a person what can you actually look at a person's work and see what they were trying to go for? Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people can say that they can do that. And that doesn't even have anything to do whether I liked it or not. You know? That has nothing to do with it. Did they stick the landing on what they wanted to do? And that's what I try to do. Because that actually takes skill. That actually, Rather than, I think this works. I think that didn't work. Like, that's not going to, to help people grow. Yeah. Like, people, if you, yeah. Continue. Excuse me. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, yeah, people are so quick to take that that quick quick yes or no right or wrong opinion right make that quick visceral especially if they're being critics or whatever right on tiktok on instagram wherever they are like reviewing the movie they like like it's they they go straight for like oh i hated this film for and this is why or i loved it and this is why but it's like hate or love whatever i don't give a shit what you think like what like what was the film about like can you tell me that at least like again like you're saying did they stick to land the landing what was the execution like you know, like you can nitpick all day, but like as a film, can you like come up with a concrete opinion? And if I can't do that, I won't, I won't, I won't write anything. Like if I, if I can't do that, like I even say that on my Facebook page every once in a while, like I can't do that because it would spoil the movie too much or mm. spoil the show too much. I'm not going to do that. Like if you, after the season's over, or after some time has passed, I'm going to, I'm going to say my, say my thoughts. But I'm like, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Roger Ebert necessarily. But Roger Ebert did what you are just basically talked about. Like, did, did the movie stick the landing? What is this movie about? Like, people, people don't, people don't value other people's opinions more than they value their own. Mm-hmm. That's something that I found out as well. So like, that's why I don't put my opinion there. Plus, I don't have a high, high opinion of myself, despite what people think. Yeah, um, I don't know. And it's just it's hard to put an opinion out there because people are so attached to their own opinions that they can't even have a conversation. You and know? that's why some people have unfollowed me, Ugh, which I don't mind. It, honestly, get away. Like, not but, worth the time. Which I don't mind. But, you know. I wasn't going to go too long on this, but this is why I kind of distance myself from the geek, the geek community. Mm-hmm. I like, it's very much like a agree with what we agree with. And like, you know, if you're not going to say anything nice, don't say anything, but that's not what they do. And just, just that whole, that's a, a whole other podcast that I don't want to get into right now. But like, and I don't want to totally dis geek culture in total, but a lot of it's just a lot of toxicity that I just yeah. kind of distance from myself, my, myself from. And do, by doing that, I've slept better than I have in six years, and I felt better than, than I have in six years. But to kick myself in the butt for that, it took this, it took me just like distancing myself from geeking the geek. Geek culture to get a good night's sleep. I wish I had figured that out six years ago. Nah, dude, it's not not your fault, though, right? Because, like, that community of geeks and nerds, I mean, that was our safe haven. Like, we were all comrades, you know, in this this genre that people look down on, right? Like, 
we all huddle together with our favorite comics characters, you know, because the world is so fucking scary outside. We could all at least, you know, riled up together and be like, nah, man, let's get lost some D&D and some film and some whatever. Right. But nah, you just hit it on the nail earlier, though. It's talk. It's gotten so toxic. People. It's that... gotten, there's so much gatekeeping now, Ugh, which I don't gross. like. There's that community aspect that you just talked about. It's morphed into something like, like the, the kids that never got any dates in high school have held on to that, and now that they have some notoriety on YouTube or some notoriety because they interviewed so and so, they think they're Kevin Smith or Kevin Feige, and you know. I was like that when I was in my 20s, but I'm almost 40 now. Like, I'm going to be 37 in October. Like, it, it's sad to me that the people I envy, now I feel, now I feel like, sorry for. Yeah. It's just really pathetic that I feel that way. And But it's made me a more, uh, more well-rounded person and, you know, I, I'm going to say this on my Facebook page, but there's a certain per- a certain woman who's now dead, unfortunately, mm. that I wish I was this guy for her because I wanted to be this guy for her and she's not here anymore. Oh, and that, 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 that's, that, that's what, that's what sucks. And, you know, I, I'm going to say this to her on her, on her birthday, on my Facebook page, but that's the one thing that's worse than anything. Not that we didn't work out or not that we didn't get to do anything, but this well-rounded guy, I wanted to be for her and she's not here anymore. That, that, that's just, that's the lousy part. But, you know, to put, no, to put a button on this because I don't, I don't want to go on forever, but I've, I've come to the conclusion that if everybody was really happy, like, if being happy was a life requirement, we wouldn't have overpopulation. Mm. I, th- I think people put too much emphasis on sadness and happiness rather than, are you good? Mm. Like, in, are you able to live? Are you able to laugh? Are you able to smile? Are you able to burp? Are you able to, you know, Even cry. Are, you able to, are you able to cry? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, are you able to? Yeah, are you able to just normally function? Because quite honestly, no one's truly, very few people are truly happy, and the people that are still yearn for more. I think we put too much emphasis on being happy, mm-hmm. rather than, rather than you know, are you good? Are you in a good place now? Do you have have a good handle on things now? And that's how I, and that's how I truly feel. Are some days harder than others? Absolutely. Is my life, you know, great? No, but I've got a good handle on things, but there is room for improvement. And I think if more people thought like that, I, I don't think like there, there would be so much drama unless you actually like that drama, which is a completely different story. <laughs> That's called being stuck in an abusive cycle that you cannot get yourself out of. So you create tension and chaos in your own life. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's like uh, the land before time sequels that didn't need to be. Did you really need like a, did, did, you just described the land before time sequels? Did you really need like ten of those ten of those things? Like, hey, I want to see it, what little foot and Sarah are up to. Okay, I love little foot. <laughs> yeah, I I like Ducky personally. Dude, Ducky's the homie, man. Oh, 
<laughs> oh man. Uh, I well before we get to uh to my favorite part of the show, just want to say cuz you were just saying how, you know, with Lance, you wish you told him like, "Hey, like just a heads up of how great of a person you are and what you can offer," right? Like you wish you said that to Lance, right? Yeah. Well, let me say it to you, my friend, of how an incredible person you are, Woo. The fact that you are just here baffles the smartest of doctors. And your creativity, your I, your honest, the, the, your, the way you craft your opinions and with the words you use on your Facebook, you just... I, I appreciate you ha- having you in my life, and I just uh, I just want you to know how incredible you are, my friend. Thank you, thank you. I don't really think that highly of myself because you lose perspective if you buy into your own press. But I <laughs> I truly I truly believe that you know I I try to do my best in everything I do, and if I don't care, I don't even bother because. Uh, because I've been ridiculed, chastised enough to know what what right is right and wrong is wrong. Um, a lot of people don't like me because of who I am, and I can't change that. If you want to have discourse with me about something I actually did, you know, and we're gonna have an honest conversation, I'm more than willing to do that. But I don't I don't think of myself in any kind of context too much. Because really, if you do that, you either become delusional or you be, become like too hard on yourself. And I think I think me being a Libra, like we need that balance in our life. And truth be told, the more I the more I don't think about that stuff when I need to be doing something like that's when I'm like the most at peace, not happy, just content. And I think that's the best thing we can do in life. Just look for that contentment. Hmm. Lovely, man. Well said. Thank you. All right. Well, let's get to the to my favorite part of the show. Uh, well, you, my friend, you already called it out. You're you're very well aware of inside the actor studio, yes? Yes. And you know of the ten questions the great James Lipton would ask his uh, his guests. You're so. I hope you didn't prepare too much. You know, I hope it's more off the cuff, if you know what I mean. Uh, but no need to explain to you, sir. Are you ready for the 10 questions? I've been ready for this for 15 years. Ah, let's do this then. Yep. (laughs) All right. Question one. What is your favorite word? Sphere. Mm. It's not, I love how that word sounds, sir. It's not a ball. It's, it's a sphere. (laughs) It sounds cool. Sphere. Say sphere. sphere. <laughs> See? It's awesome. Sphere. Yeah. Not a ball. Sphere. I don't say that enough. Yeah, sphere. it's a, it's an awesome word. You need you need to put the it requires the emphasis. It's such a cool word. Sphere. Oh dig it. Dig it. Yes. Next question. What is your least favorite word okay people are not gonna believe this but it's deserve Ooh. people use it in the wrong context so much i deserve this i deserve that no you deserve love you deserve understanding you deserve to cry you don't deserve a billion dollars you don't deserve a maserati i i hate that word 
because people have bastardized it over the years. I hate that word. All right. Next question. What turns you on? What makes you happy? What, um, like I said earlier, the creative process, strong women. Mm-hmm. I, I love strong women. And I, I love compassionate, compassionate, big hearted women who know who they are. There's, there's nothing more attractive to me than that. And intelligence. I should point that out too. <laughs> All right. Next question. What turns you off? What makes you unhappy? Um, ignorance. Just knowing ignorance that this person is ignorant and doesn't have a problem with it. I hate that. I hate that. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I can't understand how you can call yourself an intelligent person or a wise person and be ignorant and be all right with ignorance. I have no time for it. None. Like literally just saying that like makes me ill. Right on. Right on. Next question. What sound or noise do you love? Okay. A baby's laughter. And... (laughs) It's because babies don't ha- have an understanding of language, but they have an understanding of comedy. <laughs> and that sound is probably the most pure sound you could ever get from anyone, anywhere. Mm-hmm. Just a baby's laughter. Dig it. Next question. What sound or noise do you hate? Arguing through the walls. Mm. Like, this is going back to that trigger thing earlier. Like, I hate, like, arguing through the walls and chastising. Because I came from a broken home, and I just hate that. Nothing good comes Nothing good comes from that. Like, really. Like, at the end of it, people are not going to say, okay, I'm sorry, or you're right, or... You know what I mean? It's not, like, something like that... Rarely people end well or end civilly. Understand? Yeah. I I hate that sound. Always have, always will. Right on. Right on. Next question. What is your favorite curse word? Okay. I have three. <laughs> Goddamn. Shit. And fuck. <laughs> But I, but I use them very sparingly because if you use them too much, they lose their oomph. Fair enough. <laughs> Next question. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, if I had the skills, I would love to draw comics. Or I would love to like, be a person that composes melody. I don't have those skills. Those are very, like, you know, math-oriented skills. Mm-hmm. I wish I had those skills. Like, had the skill to, to like, draw or how to, like, compose melody. That's beautiful. I always envy things that I can't do. Mm. Next question. 
what profession would you not like to do? Oh, God. This has never changed in years. An accountant. Mm. I could not deal with numbers all day long. <laughs> so hollow, so like devoid of life or devoid of like anything, like anything of substance. Can do it. And final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome. I know you have a lot of questions for me. Um, look over there. There's John Lennon and Jimi Hendrix. They're going to help you into your new, new apartment. Maria is here. She wants, to, she wants to see you. Your mother's here. She also, she, wants, she also wants to spend time with you. Oh, and don't, don't forget, at the end of the week, we have open mic night. You do not, you do not want to miss Moses doing stand-up. I just I just want to see Moses doing stand-up in heaven. Yeah, like for real, I parted the seas. I lifted my arms and I parted the seas. I would I, that's what that's what I that's what I want God to say. I want to see all the people I love and I want some answers from the man or woman above about why I was chosen for this life. I, and I don't even think I would like the answers. I just would like to know why. Well, wonderful, 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 Wu. We got to the end of the podcast. What a ride. What a journey it's been, uh, my friend. And now at the end of the podcast, this is now your time. If you want to let people know where they can find you, any other information you want to share, the time is yours, my friend. Take it away. Um, I don't know why you would want to follow me, but my Instagram and Twitter is at, at WSK9002, at WSK9002. And if you want unbiased geek reviews on DC movies, Marvel movies, Lord of the Rings, check out my, check out my friends at Heroes Reforged. That's Heroes Reforged. F, I'm sorry, R-E-F-O-R-G-E-D. They do great work. They have a Patreon. They're some of the best people I know. And they, they do as close to unbiased geek reviews and reactions and commentaries that you'll ever, you'll ever find. And they do great work. Good to know. Good to know. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's, get, let's get you back in the attic. All right, let's get you back there for the next uh, appearance. All right, let's. Uh... Well, well, I at least get my at least get my hamburger helper on time this time, please. All right, let's not push it. All right, it was a long episode, okay. a lot of editing. <laughs> I love okay. you, man. Thank you so much. I man. love you too. Thank you. Thank you. What's up, friends? You made it to the end. What's up? Hello. How was it? Was it nice? Did you like it? Thanks for being here at the end during the outro, homies. That was my friend Woo. 
You can find his social media links and whatnot in the description below. That is Wu S Kim. Find him at WSK9002. You can find all his reviews. And also, he mentioned Heroes Reforged. Go check out their geeky opinions and nerdy opinions on everything geeky and nerdy. Uh, and also, check out, just go Google Stephen Brogan Cortez. Put that in your mind. Stephen Brogan Cortez. Uh, just go Google it. See what you find that I made. There's stuff out there. There's some there's some there's some nuggets out there. There's some nuggets you want. Alright. Uh and we may oh, don't um, don't forget. You're enough. You're more than enough. It's pretty incredible how enough you are. Okay, bye. Mm-hmm.